Hello, and welcome to Tech Champagne, a wealth expansion podcast designed to help you turn simple ideas into major impact and big revenue. I'm Elisa Wilcox, and I've spent the last 11 years helping women entrepreneurs build six and seven figure businesses with simple systems and automation. I'm here to guide you and give you my exact strategies for money, marketing, and automated business growth so you can create the life and business you truly desire. The income level you really want is well within your reach. Let's do this together. Hello and welcome to Tech Champagne. I'm Elisa Wilcox and my guest today is Natalie Puglisi, a dear friend of mine and a badass online business entrepreneur's attorney. She is fantastic. We've known each other for many, many, many years. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we met here in just a second. But Natalie is my go-to resource for all of my clients. If you have an online business, you need support when it comes to legal in your business. We got to protect you from being sued. We got to protect your business. We create our businesses from, you know, our blood, sweat, and tears. We want to make sure that you are protected legally so that you can be successful and grow your business. So hi, Natalie. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, we were just chatting a second ago about how we met. Do you remember how long ago that was? Oh, um, well, I know it was over, was it a decade ago? Because I know it was over like eight years, which is how long I've been with my husband. So, mm-hmm. which by the way, he's like, he's like, who is this alter ego that you had? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we met a long time ago and we were both uh, training for fitness shows down in LA and different places. And we were bodybuilders. We were amateur bodybuilders working Mm -hmm. out twice a day sometimes, getting those muscles and strutting on the stage in our bikinis. Oh my gosh, what a different life that was, but very fun. And what different color we are now. (laughs) We We were so tan on the stage. Yeah, it was fun. It was um. Uh, I mean, we were talking, as you said, just a second ago, but for you, I think you got a little bit something different out of it than what I got out of it, which is a really interesting experience because I have really, I mean, I've done a lot of physical, you know, like I used to, well, I always say I'm, I used to be a marathon runner, although I think once you've done one, you get to claim it for the rest of your life. So I'm going <laughs> to claim it. But I feel like every time you do some sort of like physical achievement, that you get a totally different thing out of it. And I, and we were talking about how you and I got completely different things out of it, which is just so incredibly unique and wonderful. Because I think when you look at like some of these women and the things that they do on stage, you kind of presume that everyone's like, Oh, I'm going to do it to lose weight or I'm going to do it to build muscle. And like, really there's so many more components to it. So I just thought that was really interesting, but yeah, absolutely. I was doing it at the time because I was going through a divorce and I had to put my like emotional stuff somewhere. So mm. for me, it was such a great place to do that, to have to get up early, be at the gym, made all these new friends, you know, just having that schedule kind of kept my mind in a really, in a healthier place. Um, and so like the muscles and the bikini body was just kind of an added bonus, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I was really just doing it for the potato skins at the end of the competition. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Although that was my treat, but I was doing it more for, I, I'm a horrible self-motivator when it comes to fitness. And I know in the manifestation world, that's not what you be, should be saying, but it's true. 
And um, so for me, it was really, I, I, I lacked the discipline to even do any type of working out. And I'm still kind of the same way. If I don't have like a buddy or yeah. someone that I can, or a program that I'm committing to, then I just won't do anything. So except for running, but other than that, um, that was really my motivation was just to like commit to a fitness routine. It happened to be very extreme, <laughs> but it, it worked. It yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was fun though. Do a 5K. It was like, let's compete with professional bodybuilders. Why don't we do that? <laughs> and let's do it like physical and dietary and nutritional and mental and scared shitless on stage. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot, but it was great. I really loved it. Next time after uh, your little one is here, let's just run a 5K. Let's just start small. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be down for that for sure. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk to you, my dear. I, I love sending my clients to you. I think I just am so lucky to have you as a resource. I talk about you all the time and I'm just feel blessed to have you in my world, uh, business world, friendship world, all of it. Cause I just think you're such a talent in what you do. And years ago you worked for a firm. So can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, I worked for a very um, small local law firm. I had a really crazy um, law school experience. I moved back home to go to law school here in Santa Barbara, which is where we both are. And I, my mother was ill at the time. So I, I went back home to help take care of her. I worked 40 hours a week and I went to law school at night. It was bananas. And um, I had two jobs at the time. So I worked part-time in two different places. I worked at the Four Seasons in the finance department in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I grabbed lunch on my way to go work for a really small local law firm that did bankruptcy law. And I was a law clerk with them during law school. And once I passed the bar, then I, they took me on as an associate. So I did bankruptcy law initially, and I absolutely loved it. And what I get from most people is this puzzling, you know, puzzling look on their face, wondering why I love doing bankruptcy law. But it, to me, it wasn't really depressing to me seeing the transformation that my clients went through. They could sleep at night. They could focus on their families. They could pay, you know, play with their children without worry. It was like this really big relief from them. And I got so much out of that from my clients. I got just knowing that I had helped them in a way move forward in their lives. And most of these people, like 90% of my clients weren't off just running credit cards, being total a-holes. They were real estate agents when the housing market crashed. Right. They were doctors when people weren't going to private doctors anymore when we had this, you know, mini depression that had happened however long ago. Um, and, you know, they were professionals that, that people couldn't afford to go to at the time. And a lot of families that got in trouble, a lot of families that, you know, were given loans that were too big, that they were biting off more that they can chew, that the banks were just giving them. And then, they realized they couldn't really sustain this. So I think there's a stigma that goes along with bankruptcy law. People think when you enter into bankruptcy that it's like you're just, you know, blowing off debt, running off your credit cards, like being an a-hole. But it's that's really not what it is. And so to be able to help my clients move forward in that time of their life and really succeed and and like I said, just spend time with their families without having to worry about the stress of debt was so rewarding to me. And I absolutely loved it. And then one day, the two partners came to me and said, well, we're preparing for retirement, so you got to find a job. <laughs> yeah. 
And that was, uh, it was the first time I'd ever been let go from a job in my whole entire life. I, I grew up very, um, a very astute student. I was, you know, 4.23 GPA out of high school, good GPA out of college. Like I, I just was always kind of that straight A student. So for me, it was, I, it was a loss, not only because they were my family, but also because I, it was a, it was an ego crusher, right? I was like, I'm losing my job. This is so strange to me. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so I applied to a bunch of other jobs and I ended up taking a bunch of clients with me, which meant I had to open up my own firm and I had no idea what I was doing. I had never run my own business. I never wanted to run my own business. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I know reluctant entrepreneur gets thrown around a bunch. I was a reluctant entrepreneur. I tell everyone that I was like a cat trying to put into a box to take to the vet. I was like kicking and screaming. Um, And I had to figure all the business side of it out. Like I didn't know if you needed a business license and how, you know, I didn't know how to set up an LLC for myself. Should I be an LLC? Which by the way, I can't be an LLC. I didn't know that. I had to figure all that out. I didn't know how to take on clients. I didn't know if I needed documents, client agreements, all the things. Mm -hmm. And that was super overwhelming for me. And I just kind of kept telling myself if I could just figure all this stuff out, then I could really focus on my clients that I do have and focus on building my business. And it really dawned on me that if it was difficult for me, an attorney that went to law school (laughs) to try to figure this stuff out, then it has to be difficult for other entrepreneurs out there. And I, we had a lot of friends that would, you know, come to us and try and ask for legal advice when it came to building a business. And that's kind of when I pivoted and I realized that the universe had my back this whole entire time and was really setting me up for full alignment to do what I'm doing now. So now I support online entrepreneurs and particularly women, although I do have plenty of male clients, but I really cater to making things easy and digestible and really kind of like a checklist. Like this is what you need. This is what you definitely don't need. Don't focus on that. And I pivoted. And so that's kind of what I'm doing now. I love it. What do you think the number one um, service or product that people are asking you for is right now? The number one product or service that people are asking me for now is trademarks, but the number one product or service that people need right now is contracts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing there it's, it's an interesting dichotomy between the value that someone holds in terms of like an entrepreneur and, and what they truly need. Right. So I think when, when people think about filing for a trademark, they're like, there's so much value there because I'm going to protect my name. And you are. And that is obviously part of a trademark. But what they don't realize is, you know, when they look at getting contracts and templates and they think they don't even want to touch it, right? They're like, it's going to be so much money. Right. They don't mind spending a ton of money on a trademark. But thinking about spending a ton of money on a contract, which, by the way, they're not that much money. No. Um, but when they think about that part of it, people don't really realize you know, you're, you're gonna, you're leaving yourself exposed either way. Mm-hmm. And people don't really see the value in, in the contracts as much as they really, really should. I mean, in reality, you should really get everything done in your business at some point in time. Um, but, you know, trademarks are very hot right now. People, they're, they're the sexy part of the business, I should say. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. When I started my business, my contract was not, um, dialed in. It just wasn't. And then I had a couple clients ask for refunds. They didn't want to be in their business anymore. And I had to give it to them because I didn't have mm-hmm. anything in my contract about refunds. 
Um, and you recently helped me tighten up my client contract last year and it was a game changer. It is so much stronger now and more clear. And just that guidance, I think that you gave me and that you give other people is so, so valuable. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, what people need to understand too, when it comes to legal is that your, your contracts are ever evolving and you can always make them stronger. It's, you know, it's like going to the gym, right? Let's circle back to what we, what we were originally (laughs) talking about. Every time you go, you're going to lift heavier. You're going to build that muscle and your contracts are much the same. So when you grab a template, that's great for majority of the people, but as you encounter the same patterns, the same scenarios with your clients or something new that comes up that you're like, Oh, I didn't think about that. I need to, you know, get that language in there. Then you just beef up your contracts. They're always going to be evolving. I actually amended my client agreement in January of this year. And, you know, and that's a normal procedure. That's how it should be in business. You're always going to strengthen everything that you do. Is there uh, one or two things that come to mind that maybe you've added to your contract or that you've had to add for other people that is kind of coming up repeatedly? Yeah. Um, number one is refunds. There are different states, depending on what state you're in, that dictate that if you don't have the right legal language in your contract when it comes to refunds, you're going to be forced to give them a refund. Even if you've done the service, even if you've performed the work, you will still be obligated to give them a refund. And that's huge. And people don't really realize that. They presume, well, or something like a digital course, right? They're like, oh, well, they got the course. So obviously... It's like getting like a t-shirt, right? Like you got the t-shirt, you wore it around, like, (laughs) you know, but if you don't have that language in there, the difference is when you buy a t-shirt online, you're buying it from a store that's going to make you check that box, right? That says that you agree to it. If you're buying it from Gap, when you buy it from Gap, if you look at your receipt, you're agreeing to, you know, not wash it, wear it and return it. (laughs) You know, they have returns policies and So it doesn't matter if it's a digital course or a service that you're providing. If you don't have that right legal language in there, then you're going to be forced to give that money back, like you said. And it it is state by state, but you might as well have the legal language in there. So regardless of what state you're in, you just know that you're covered. Right. So, And then interestingly enough, when we started this Zoom call, which I love that Zoom is doing this now, when you hit record on Zoom, they have a big (laughs) thing that comes up that says you're being recorded. There's Mm -hmm. different, and I've written this into, um, you probably got the update for the terms of use. I, what I do with my clients is I update things all the time as the laws change. Mm -hmm. And recently I had a client who, um, she had, she had a client, my client had a client Mm -hmm. and she said, you know, I, I didn't consent to being recorded, blah, blah, blah. And based on the state that she was located in, you did in fact need to have some language that says that you consent to being recorded. So I amended my terms of use and I sent an update to everyone. And I said, you know, and I added it to, so now it's default in there. Um, But interestingly enough, I'm seeing a lot of that right now. A lot of, you know, people concerned about being recorded on things. That's why Zoom has this big thing on there. Like you're going to be recorded as long as you give notice that you're recording. So I always tell my clients, put it in your agreement. And then also when you're going to record a group call or a one-on-one session, just say, I'm going to hit record right now (laughs) (laughs) and let them know. (laughs) I love that. So you have several ways that you support your clients. You're doing a trademark and copyright right now. You also are creating LLCs for entrepreneurs. You have your templates and then you also have your membership. Yeah. 
Let's talk yeah. about membership for a second. Cause I think it's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. My membership is one of the, the funner things that I do. Not that I don't enjoy everything that I do, but it allows me more one-on-one interaction with my clients. So mm-hmm. when I do like LLC work, it it's, and they relatively, I'm relative, same with trademarks. Like you don't really see me. Like I do the work and then I pop in and I'm like, it's all good. Here you go. You know, that, that's kind of what you want from your attorney. Right. But sometimes you need a greater level of support sometimes. And it doesn't matter whether you're just starting out in your business or we have, I have members who are, you know, six figure entrepreneurs and they just run into things. Right. And when you hire an attorney to answer your questions, it's like going to the doctor, right? You're like, sometimes you're like, oh, I have this like rash, but I don't want to go and make an appointment and give them $500 just to tell me if it's, you know, (laughs) if there's something to be concerned or not. And that's where the membership comes in. So it is unlimited email access to me. And then I also offer Zoom support. Um, Most of the time I can answer questions via email, but if someone wants to hop on a call and we do face-to-face because I'm old school like that and I like to see people's faces and we do that. Um, we also do a monthly group call, which is really great because every single member that is in the membership right now is different. They Mm -hmm. all are a different type of coach. They all run a different type of business or like I have someone who's an artist. I have someone else who's not a coach at all. Like everyone's completely different. And so you get to hear what kind of questions they have Mm -hmm. and you don't realize that, that it might apply to your business as well. So you can get a lot out of it. Um, they have access to my contract vault. They get 15% off of my services and templates. So it's a really wonderful way for people to get a level of support. And it costs less than one hour of my time. So, um, and I love it. I really love doing the group calls. I love supporting. I get back to them really fast. They're like my VIP girls. So that when they email me, I'm like on it. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, um, it's a really wonderful way to get continued support. And also I tell people, you know, if you're thinking about grabbing a bundle or you're thinking about grabbing templates, then consider the the society because you get the biggest discount that I give for anyone on those templates and bundles and services. So awesome. And it's called the legal babe society, right? It's called the legal babe society. Yeah. So cute. It's so cute. So you mentioned there that they get a discount for your templates. And I think it's important for people to know like what they have to have on their website. We talked about client contracts a minute ago, which are super, super important, but let's touch a little bit about what is required for your website. Cause I think a lot of people don't know this part. Yeah. So if you have a website, you're legally required to have a privacy policy on there. Mm-hmm. And that essentially just lets the visitors to your website, know the type of data that you're collecting when they visit your website. And I always give the example, my husband's probably sick of hearing this in quarantine, but I always give the example of when Mark Zuckerberg had to testify in front of Congress because he was using our Facebook data for a political marketing campaign. And he got in a lot of trouble because he didn't tell us that that's how he was using our data. So nice of him. But because of that, they, the law and Congress takes the way that our data is collected when we visit websites very, very seriously. And you think about like, you know, it's one thing, majority of us collect the same type of data, right? We have a pop-up for our newsletter. We're collecting their email addresses. We have a contact us page. We're collecting their names. They purchase something from us. We're collecting their billing information. But when you look at a bigger site like Instagram or Facebook, and we're clicking on ads or we're liking certain political posts or other, other kinds of posts, mommy posts or whatever, they're keeping track of all of our preferences. 
and they're selling them to marketing campaigns so that they can see, you know, what this demographic is and how it relates to our preferences. So your privacy policy is required and not having it, you can face a penalty up to $2,500 per visitor to your site. It's pretty Mm -hmm. hefty. And that's just for one law. There's several different laws that dictate what need to be in your privacy policy. So I usually get the question of, well, can I just go to someone else's website and take their privacy policy? And you, you could, I mean, <laughs> you'll do it. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, but you no. certainly could. <laughs> the, the reason why I tell people not to is twofold. Number one, you don't know whether or not it has all the right legal language in there to protect you and, and hit all of what you need from a legal standpoint. Like I said, there's several laws out there that dictate what need to be in your privacy policy. And you don't know that this coach didn't get it from a plumber's website and right. they got it 10 years ago and it and it's not up to date from a legal perspective. So the law doesn't give you credit for trying. If you don't have everything in there that you need to have in there, then you can still be subject to the fines and penalties. And number two, just like all of us out there that are running small businesses, attorneys are small business owners as well. And we create these documents and sell them so that we can have make a livelihood for ourselves. Yes. And we hold the intellectual property protection for them. So if you're grabbing them from a friend, you're grabbing them off of a website, you're actually violating copyright law and intellectual property law. And you can be sued for that. So just be very, very careful. Um, all the crows are going on outside. I don't know if you can hear them, but <laughs> no. um, we all, you also need to have a disclaimer. The, the next two aren't legal requirements, but I do recommend them. Okay. Your disclaimer basically says that everything on your site is for general and informational purposes only. And when we think about this, we think about something like, you know, health and fitness, right? Like if you post a blog on how to do a perfect squat, someone does it at home, they slip an inch of themselves. But regardless of what area you're in, in your business, online business coach, right? I'm sure sometimes you talk about investing in your business, right? Spending money on a coach. And you want to make sure that people don't think that you are giving them financial advice. Right. So that's what your disclaimer is going to protect. And then lastly is your terms and conditions. And your terms and conditions is protecting all the, this is a sexy one. It's protecting all the content, (laughs) right? It's letting people know you can't take whatever's on my website pretend that you wrote it, slap it up on your website, change the logo, keep the look, right? That's going to be protected by your terms and conditions. Okay. So privacy policy disclaimer and terms and conditions. Yes. Yes. Three forms. Okay. And you have a bundle of those three so that people can grab them all at once, start out on the right foot. Yeah. Avoid all the lawsuits. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then you mentioned earlier before we kind of hit record here that you had a client who actually used a different service, which I think, you know, as small business owners who are trying to be mindful of budgets and things like that, you know, a, a service that is not an attorney. Um, I know you, you had a little story about that. Can you share that with us? Yeah, definitely. So I think a large part of the time, um, I know, I feel like you danced around the name, but I'm going to use the name. But a large part <laughs> of the time. It's so funny talking to you. I get nervous. I'm like, am I legally allowed? Can I legally <laughs> say that? I'll say it. You can. Um, it's, it's within fair use. Um, so a service like LegalZoom, Rocket Lawyer, Inc. File, right? Those are particularly the ones that we're talking about. And no knock on them. They're good for certain things. Um, you know, there are certain, and I'll tell my clients, I'm, I'm honestly 
probably way too <laughs> honest of an attorney in that regard, where if I feel like they can save money by either not hiring an attorney or using one of those services, I'll point them in that direction. I mean, there are times when, when that's useful, but there are times when it can be damaging. Um, two ways that I would, or, you know, scenarios where I would recommend not using one of those services is LLC filings and trademark filings. Okay. What most people don't realize is they think that it, forming an LLC is a simple piece of paper that you form with your secretary of state. But in actuality, there's all of these things. It's called business formalities. It's just a really fancy lawyer way of saying dotting your I's and crossing your T's that you have to get done in order to maintain that sheltered protection of becoming an LLC. And if you don't do all those things, if you hire LegalZoom and the only thing that they do is file your articles of organization, then what can happen is you can get sued and you go to court and you say, well, I have my articles of organization. I'm an LLC. And the court goes, yeah, but you're not treating your business like a business. Oh. And you can still get sued and they can reach into your personal assets because you're not forming every, you're not doing those business formalities. You're not forming everything the way it should. And LegalZoom, and again, they're good for, for a lot of things, but they don't know every single nuance of every single state law, which is why I don't do LLCs in Texas or Tennessee or whatever. I do them only in California because there's a lot to do. So you need other things like your EIN. You need to set up a separate bank account. You need a, you're legally required to have an operating agreement in the state of California. It also has to say certain things in it. <laughs> so all of those things, you know, you should definitely hire an attorney for. And the other one is trademark. So what we were talking about earlier, I had a client who filed for a trademark using, I think she used Rocket Lawyer actually, and they don't do something called a thorough trademark search. They they allege to do it, but they don't analyze it from an attorney perspective. And also you can elect not to do a thorough trademark search, which most people do because they think, well, why do I need to search it? Just go ahead and file it. Let's just do this. Right. But what happened in this scenario, she filed with Rocket Lawyer. When you file for a trademark, it gets sent to an examining attorney. And majority of the time, that examining attorney will take a look at the records and find if there's a other trademark out there that you'll be infringing on. In this case, the examining attorney didn't find that. And that's not really on the attorney. So and the, that with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So she received her full registration, which takes close to a year, between eight months and a year. Wow. And thought she was all good. She's like, I got my thorough trade, or I got my trademark passed. And she started using the name, used the little R circle on everything. She was good, thought she was good to go. Then she got sued. Oh, no. Uh, and she got sued base. They didn't even file a lawsuit yet. They actually sent her a demand letter for $10,000. Oh. And she had been in business for almost two years. So she wasn't quite at the like, let's just go ahead and pay $10,000, no big deal kind of level. <laughs> and she contacted me and said, well, I don't understand. I got my full registration. It went to this examining attorney. They didn't flag it, but it's not the examining attorney's responsibility. It's the person who filed for the trademark. They hold a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that they're not infringing on anyone else's trademark when they file for that. Just because you get that full registration doesn't grant you the full license and for you to just say, well, I already got it, so too bad. She was, in fact, violating their trademark 100%. I told her she needs to change her name. Um, I told her she probably will have to pay the $10,000 because 
There was a law that passed in the quiet of COVID last year. The Supreme Court heard a case that says that before it used to say that that you have to know that another trademark existed and and use the name anyways. It was a knowing violation of someone else's trademark, a knowing infringement. They removed that. They eliminated that last oh, year. And now you can get sued for trademark infringement, even if you have no idea that a trademark oh. exists. Yeah. Super fun. They need you. That's what we're saying. They need you. Yeah. Well, so what happened was, you know, Rocket Lawyer didn't perform this thorough trademark search. Mm-hmm. And if she had hired an attorney to do that, such as myself, that would have been the first thing that I saw. It, yeah. it was, and the, and the name was so close. It wasn't even like, how could that be an infringement? It was like one word off. It was so oh, close. Darn. And so, I mean, had she done a little bit of search herself, she probably could have found it as well. To be completely honest, it was that obvious. Sometimes it's not that obvious, but that's why I don't recommend using a service like that because they're not either. They're going to send you a report that you have zero idea how to read because they're like, okay, we did a, a trademark search for you, but they're not attorneys. They're not going to analyze it for you. They're not going to tell you this is a very high risk and you're probably either not going to get your thorough tra- or your trademark registered or you're, there's a high likelihood you're going to get sued. So she had to abandon the name. She ended up having to pay them on a payment plan Oof. and she had to completely rebrand and she had to let go of that trademark. So yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm excited to share all this information because I think, you know, when I started my business 10 years ago, I didn't have this information. I pieced things together myself. So I hope that people that are listening to this connect with you and this, you know, information that you're sharing, because it's so valuable to small businesses. Just like you said, small businesses, we don't need to be paying $10,000 in fees and, you know, all the things that we can easily avoid with the right resources. So what is the best way for people to connect with you? I usually tell people to head over to my Instagram. It's just at Natalie Puglisi. And I, what I tell people is I have a pretty no fluff Instagram. I rarely post pictures of my family on there. Well, for privacy, you get it. You're the same way Yeah, for privacy reasons, (laughs) but also I really want to provide a ton of free value. Like I said, when I started my own firm, I had zero idea what I was doing. I didn't even have any resources. I had to go talk to other attorneys and try to figure it out on my own. I went back to the law library. Oh yeah. you Yeah. I, and so my Instagram is highly valuable. You'll rarely fly, find a fluff post. Yep. Most of my posts are save worthy and it's going to really impact you and your business. Um, and then also, if you want to head over to my podcast, it's the Legal Babe podcast. And they're all really short and sweet episodes. And you'll find, again, every single episode will relate to your business and you'll find some value out of them. And they're easy and digestible and I make things so not complicated. And so you can get a better understanding of what you need and what you don't need in your business from a legal perspective. I love it. Yeah. I've listened to many of them in the morning when I'm walking my dog and I learn, <laughs> I learn a new thing with every single podcast. And like you said, it's, it's short and sweet and super easy to understand. And it's, it's such a huge value to people. So Thank you for all that you do for us, you know, online business owners. I know you are one as well. And so you get it, you get the struggle, you get the, 
you know, the ebbs and flows of business. And I'm just so blessed to have you. So thank you, my dear, for being in my world. Thank you so much. Thank (laughs) you. And thank you for introducing me to this world. I think, you know, a large part of growing and building my business from the ground up really had to do with the work that we did initially. Mm-hmm. I had this idea. I mean, Elisa's not tooting her own horn by any means right now, but I had this business idea for two years and was too scared to really figure out how to transition into the online space and how to connect and how to build and what to do. I mean, you know, like, like you said, we all need different types of resources when it comes to building and growing our businesses. And you really provided me the resource to figure out how to start my website and what kind of, you know, what kind of plans to put together and what people needed and really providing me that level of support as a business coach. So I owe a lot to you too. So uh, thank you. So, so I remember when we talked, it was the end of the year and I think I was raising my, my, my investment and I was traveling and you were messaging me on Instagram. You're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm finally ready. I've been waiting for a year to work with you. Let's do it. And I was so excited. So, so yeah. Excited. Yeah. I was like, Chris said I could. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The husband said I could. And then we met at coffee shops all over Santa Barbara and had the best time. Yeah. It was awesome. And it was really, it was really fun to work with you because you really pushed me, which I needed. Um, and you, and you held me accountable. There was that, you know, like we'd, we'd meet the next week and you're like, okay, where are we? How are we doing? And I'm, I'm so appreciative for that because otherwise I probably would still be stuck where I was two years ago or four years ago or however long that was ago. Thank you. You're very sweet. Well, thank you for thank being you. here. I'm going to have all your information in the show notes. It's going to be awesome. And people will be able to connect with you and get their legal resources in order. I think it's just so great. And everybody needs to know about you, Natalie. It, I say that until I'm blue in the face all the time to my clients. So thank you. Thank you. All right, my dear. I will talk to you very soon. Bye guys. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I hope this episode brought you exactly what you needed. If you had fun today, be sure to hit the subscribe button or leave me a review. Your support means the world to me and it helps other women entrepreneurs find the show as well. And if you're looking for a free place to connect and learn more about creating your own six-figure online business, check out my Facebook group, Empowered Entrepreneurs. See you on the next episode.